Good morning, good morning, good morning, beautiful weather. Hey, the state of Kentucky's having some great football days. The record for UK still good, one of the best for their season. So, hey, it's, it's a happy day. We're not even in basketball season yet. We've still got some, you know, some joy in us. It's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. My wife and I have had a blast this past week. We went on a trip because Delise was on fall break. And we went to Philadelphia and saw our new grandbaby, Rowan, and uh, then went to Oklahoma and Tulsa and saw our three grandchildren there and just got back uh, late Friday night and so um, just had too much fun, just too much fun. But we are starting a new series here, and it's entitled Love One Another. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. We're going to look at a verse where this phrase is first used by anywhere in the Bible, Old or New Testaments, and it's in John 13, and it's in the red. The two scripture passages we're going to look at today are in the red, meaning it's uh, the very words of Jesus, and um, uh, it's an honor to finally do this series. You know, I've been in ministry leadership, teaching most of those years for 35 years. Yes, I am that old. You didn't think I was, but I am. I am that old. And, um, and this, a, a, so we're, gonna, we're starting with love one another. But we're going to be looking at some of the many New Testament phrases of one another's in the New Testament. Uh, there's a count. You can count over 20. You can count over 50. It kind of depends on how you count them. Uh, we're not going to have a 50-part sermon series. I promise you that. Uh, you were worried about that for a moment, weren't you? And, and this is like a, a preacher's you know, wonderland. This is like so excitement because... The scriptures are so rich, and what I see is going to happen is that uh, as we get our foundation as love one another, we are going to be learning how to do that, how the early church did that, how the apostle Paul taught about one another. Then the apostle John brings it back up in his little letters there at the end of the Bible. Peter mentions it, so this is something that is seen in the early church actually lived out. And, and so for me, it's just like an, a, a Bible study wonderland of treasures and excitement and surprises uh, getting into this. Uh, let's pray and let's look at John 13. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the word. And we're looking at your word today, we pray that you impact our hearts, prick our hearts, convict our hearts, transform us to be more like you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So in John chapter 13 begins the transition of Christ's ministry on the earth in this gospel. It's he ministers three years, and this is when they go have 
what we call the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper with the disciples. And um, he does this one-time event with his disciples. I'm going to resist getting into the details of this story because I want it's, it's too, too good to break it down all today. We need to do it another Sunday. Even though they wash, have someone wash their feet basically every day, maybe a couple of times a day, this time in their last gathering together, he washes their feet. And there's so many good revelations there. We're not going there today. And then during this Passover meal, he says, you know, the one who puts his bread in my cup is, is the one who's going to betray and ends up being Judas, and Judas leaves. And so what happens next is now there's not 12 apostles, there's 11. And this is the first thing, these, these verses right here, we're going to read it right now, that he says as soon as Judas is gone and there's now 11. And goes into chapter 14, 15, 16, three more chapters beyond where Jesus is just talking to the 11. His last pouring out of his heart of what they need to hear to prepare them because, hey, the next day he's not going to be there. He's being betrayed later that night and crucified. And so these are the initial statements he says in this long conversation three-and-a-half-chapter conversation that he gives to his 11. And he says in verse 34 of John 13, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Let's just stop there for a moment. Oh, my. He is giving us a commandment, and he's saying, love one another, and he's talking to the leaven. It's just them alone. And he says, as I have loved you. Now, that is the highest standard. That is the highest level of love. That is perfect love. That's the agape, the the God kind of love of unconditional love and loving kindness. And he's saying, this is this is my goal for you. This is my standard. How do we do that, folks? This is, we need God to do this. To actually live this out, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God living in us to empower us to where we can obey this new command as I have loved you. I mean, it's mind-blowing. Again, I believe the... These next seven or eight weeks or so, as we look at the other one another's of Scripture, we're going to learn how this can be done. Love of one another is kind of a broader, uh, you know, command, and then there's many ways to live that. And I'll just throw out some of these one another's right now just for your own uh, memory here. Uh, be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Greet one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Instruct 
one another. Serve one another. Carry one another's burdens. Submit to one another. Bear with one another. Encourage one another. I could go on some more, and we can't cover them all. We'll combine a few, etc. But we're asking God to transform us that we would love like He has loved us. Now, the next verse, verse 35, Jesus says, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So this is amazing, that he is saying this new command I give you to love one is actually a key to show the world who you really are, and that I am real, that I'm alive, and I'm at work. It is, you living this out is an incredible evangelism witnessing tool. In fact, it's a foundation for being a witness. I want to say that something that I learned when we were doing ministry in Philadelphia and we did inner city uh, ministry, serving in, in home groups there, also in our neighborhood, home groups there, uh, and, and knowing more, uh, not really knowing any believers, being new there, and knowing um, mostly non-believers. But this statement I saw became real, and it's happening more and more in these younger generations, that much of the harvest will belong before they believe. And let me explain what, what I mean by that. And it's a, a something that's, that's more real every decade because 40, 50 years ago, we were growing up, so many of us growing up in a Judeo-Christian community where there was a lot of front porches in the neighborhood and there were a lot of believers or relatives that were believers and you had similar values and So many people went to church, you grew up in church, and so you heard the Bible stories, you had in your head and mind truth planted and seed planted, and then perhaps at a youth camp as a young person, or uh, you maybe, uh, so many uh, did, did their own thing through the college years and adult years, but then the Holy Spirit clicked to the all the seeds planted in these truths and the gospel that was in there and all these the healthy values that they had seen and, and good families being together. And it was, I believe, I believe in Jesus. They're, they're pricked, they're, they're convicted by the Holy Spirit. I am choosing Jesus now. But today, all those Judeo-Christian values, those, those values that are just healthy living for individuals and families, it's hard to find them. You grow up in schools and it's hard to find some of these just basic values of virtue, of goodness, of integrity, of honesty. It's hard. The Bible stories, they didn't grow up listening to Bible stories as a kid. They don't know the stories. So they hear it for the first time. And we want, hey, we want them to get saved like like you and I did at the altar call when we were 18. And it finally said, oh, I want to believe on what I've heard all these years. Well, they're just hearing it for the first time. But they're seeing this love for one another. They're going, I don't see that in my family. I don't see this in my, I, my neighborhood, my friends. What, can I just hang around? Can I somehow 
be a part? Can I just come? Can I just... And they just want to belong. And they're still trying to figure out all the belief stuff and all the right thinking. And, you know, is the Bible really real? Is a bunch of fairy tales? And yet they're coming in in closer and closer into the family of God. And they're touching and they're seeing love for one another. Living Waters, you're doing a good job. In fact, we... Leaders and comments from so many people, just so proud of you, of our outreach just a few weeks ago in downtown Shelbyville. You came with the love we have for one another and a servant's heart. And I'm estimating there is over 100 people there in that 500, uh, 500, five hours, not 500 hours, you'll still be there, five-hour time where we showed our love for one, or one another and showed love to them. And it was, it was just an attraction. Let's do a little memory uh, lane with this video to celebrate. checking some dates on some things. So I want to talk to you about is another event that's coming up, another outreach event. It took a lot of work to pull that one off a few weeks ago. And I want to say thank you for the teams that came early, prepared all week, worked so hard 
uh, to bring all that food together, the games, and, and it was tremendous. I want, to, I want to tell you this story again, that there was a young man sitting alone. His family was around, and I ended up having time with him, his mom, the other kids, for over an hour talking about the Lord. And they were there about, you know, the first hour, I think the first hour. I remember them sitting there in the table near the front, the first hour. They were there till the end. And they signed up for the donut eating contest, the teenager with the teenage group and the, the mom with the adult group. I mean, they fully entered into that fellowship. And so that's what I'm saying, folks. We show the world by our love for one another that Jesus Christ is real. And people will belong before they believe. We're going to have two uh, special outreach events uh, or incorporated to what some of what we already do. We always have a December family cover dish dinner where we bring, and it's going to be Sunday, December 10th this year. And it's um, uh, we're asking you to really be thinking and praying who to invite uh, friends and family and others to that day. We'll have a just an awesome message here about Christmas. We'll have the photo booth. That's why you bring... Uh, moms and grandmoms and all that, get a big family photo together, good food and fellowship. And then we'll have another event on Saturday, December 23rd in the early evening. And that will be in the fellowship hall. And it's going to be a Christmas party where there's the food and gifts for a gift exchange, a game time. And these, this, and I'll, I'll spend more time on this later explaining this, but this is for those people who you're is on your heart, who you see may be really lonely that upcoming uh, weekend for the 24th or 25th, and this is to include them, their family lives away or that kind of thing, and for us to touch them uh, with the love of Jesus and our love for one another. Andrea Lane, our student ministry intern, is going to be the point person for that, so you can start contacting her uh, to offer your help and assistance. I want to look at this phrase in John thirteen thirty four. that Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Why did Jesus call it a new commandment? This is, this is unusual. He didn't do this. This one time he says, I give you a new commandment. Well, we know in the Gospels, he did talk about commands in the Bible. And in Matthew 22, starting verse 36, we have this conversation where he is asked about the Scriptures. And for them, that would be the Hebrew Scriptures, the out, what we call the Old Testament is their Scriptures. And, and they're saying, you know, summarize all the law and the prophets, all the Scriptures that we have. It's this huge section of, of truth from God Almighty, summarize it for us. Here, we'll just start reading verse 36. Teacher, they said, talking to Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to them, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And he was quoting Old Testament scripture, their Hebrew scriptures. 
One's in Deuteronomy 6, 5, where he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. They put that scripture on the doorpost of their house and they, they touch, touch that little scroll every day. It's called the Shema. And this is, this is the first and greatest commandment, Jesus said. And he said the second is like it. So he brings a second one, which is quoted out of Leviticus 19.18. It's just a short little phrase. Uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said the second is like it. And he kind of brings it up right next to it. Uh, in this little list, one, two, punch, short list of summarizing all the scriptures. But this new commandment that he gives is an expansion of that second one. Because the second said, love your neighbor, where they often lived in Jewish communities, and so their neighbor would be other. And, and this is an expansion of in, in clarifying this. He says the new command is... Uh, is focusing, and he's remember, he's talking to the 11 disciples who will be the leaders of the new church expanding throughout the world. And so he gives this emphasis as a new command. I want to tell you about experience that I had in uh, Kansas City four years ago this month. I was on sabbatical in the summer. Uh, we, as a, as a leadership, have a policy that our, our staff, ministry staff, every seven years will have a three-month sabbatical. And um, so mine came in the summer of 2019. And I had a couple of conferences and leadership trips I wanted to do, and it didn't fit right in that exact time frame. So in October, in October of 2019, I went to Kansas City. I've always wanted to go to the International House of Prayer. The church there is called Forerunner Church. It's led by Mike Bickle. Now, Mike Bickle's one of my uh, heroes in the faith. He has led in teaching in charismatic, spiritual ministry for you know, I'm, I'm going to just say, I think, I think I've heard him say like 40 plus years, 40 plus years. And that year in 2019, he had, they were celebrating their 25 years of constant 24-7 worship and prayer. And as I listened to him teach that weekend and so forth, that is their main uh, Focus there in all the ministry. It's about over four thousand people involved in the church, the the uh, the college ministry training center they have there, and then those who come to sign up and be committed to uh, hours each week in the prayer room, and it's about four thousand people. And Mike Bickle has stayed true in character, true in integrity. Um, <clears throat> of course, very different ministry than Billy Graham was evangelist and traveled all over the world. Mike Bickle purposely doesn't travel a whole lot to keep that focus on the 24-7. Uh, um, and so for them to do this with outbreaks now 29 years as this year, for me, it's it's a leader, a prophetic leader, apostolic leader of, of building this, this ministry to the point where they are being an example 
for the whole world about harp and bowl, this worship and prayer, merging it together and being faithful as in the Old Testament it was instructed by the priest, keep the fire burning constantly on the altar. Of course, they've prayed for Kentucky. They've prayed for uh, us in, in all those 25 years. We've, God has included uh, what God's doing here in their prayer. So I've really looked up to his website. They have, uh, of course, as a, as a ministry IHOP, they have a camera on this prayer room 24-7. And you can uh, join in there. MichaelBickle.org has you know, hundreds of his teaching series. I love his teaching. And I was in there on a weekend, and I wanted to not only go to the IHOP uh, ministries, uh, prayer sessions, and all that they do for individuals for a couple of days, but I wanted to be over the weekend and be in their weekend services. He said, this is a, in our 25-year history, this Sunday, the teaching I'm giving this weekend is monumental. And there's a number of... uh, really powerful and profound things he said. I'm just going to focus on one of them today. He said, when you look at these commands, and he went through this same scripture in Matthew 22, you have two legs, you have two directions, two roads. One is the vertical, and like the cross, we worship God, we pray to him, we release the gifts of the Spirit, we have the prophetic ministry just rising and being led by the Holy Spirit. There's this vertical, and we teach the Word of God, and we, and he started doing this number. This leg is strong. We're strong in this vertical leg. And he says, however, God has revealed and shown us that our community that we're weak in loving one another in a community. And then he started doing this number. That the other leg, the horizontal leg of the cross, we need to work on. Now, for one of my heroes to humble himself and say, hey, we're weak in an area, and this is so important, this has got to mark our history, that this changes and He says, not on our watch, we're not going to let this weakness stay, that we need to work on both legs, not take anything away from the strong leg, the vertical, but we need to be more horizontal in our relationships among ourselves. And he said some powerful things about isolationism and and so forth that I I don't want to spend time on right now, I I hope on another, another time. So I go into this because it relieved me because that is something that I have sensed among us. In fact, when you study the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic movement, the local churches, that has been a typical over time situation where we're strong vertically in our worship, prayer, intercession, in our, in the prophetic ministry, but we're weak in the other. And that's why I believe that the Pentecostal local churches ended up dying out and now thousands and thousands of charismatic local churches, even though God's still moving by His Spirit in a charismatic way, but local churches have are dying out like the Pentecostal churches did. 
And Mike Bickle said, not on our watch. We're not going to let this happen here. It just relieved me that, okay, if Mike Bickle missed it, it's okay if we're struggling with the same thing. And I'll just be honest, as a leader, I am believing that God is going to put new and deeper values for this one another in our hearts so that, hey, the holidays come, we'll be busy in December, but by January, we'll be ready to start some new life groups, to revitalize some older life groups, and to have new motivation from Jesus, the words of Jesus, to live out these instructions in his word. I want to uh, go to John chapter 15 in a minute, and before we read a few verses there, because Jesus says this phrase again twice in in chapter 15. So I want to spend a little time there. I want to preface it by um, John 15 begins with this imagery of a vineyard where there's vines giving life to branches, and then branches are releasing the fruit. And, of course, in Israel, that would be a big one, would be grapes in the vineyard. Well, we were in Pennsylvania last week. They don't have as many vineyards as they have orchard, apple orchards. And I saw these principles out of John 15 in effect there in Pennsylvania. Uh, Haley, my son's wife, uh, Paul, She grew up in that area, and every fall, their family would go to a you-pick orchard and go pick your own apples in the harvest time. So we went to one of them together, and of course, little Rowan, who's eight months old, seven months old, was with us. And um, I'll just have to show you a picture that we, I'm not telling, uh, there there it is, right there's Paul, there's Rowan, and there you see one of the many rows of apple trees, and they had many, I'm going to guess, you know, 40 plus, 50 plus types of apples and pears, and they'd have the sign at the row that would say, this is the, the type of it, you know, uh, um, honey crisp, that's one of the ones we were looking for, gala, whatever, well, you know, all these different, and then some would say it ready, and some would say not ready. Some were ready to pick, and some weren't. And you can see even here, they would have wires going with these posts and wires going down, and even in apple trees, certain kinds, they would branches would grow down the wires and just spread out like that. And so we learned from Haley that there's a type of way to pick an apple. Delise and I had never been to an apple orchard. Did this you pick thing, and so she taught us. And what? Because if you pick the apple, ends up being a bad one. You got to pay for it. You can't. You just can't leave it there. You got to pay for this thing. And so you check the outside skin and make sure there's not cracks or holes. And so you got to check it first. And then you do this little tug. And if it's nice and sturdy, you, you then you just let go of it and just back away. Because it needs more time on that branch to receive more life. And this is John 15. This is how it starts. That life comes from uh, uh, the, the, the trunk of this, of this plant and it's giving life. And, and so you leave that apple there and you, then you go to another one and then you get a little, little tug and you're trying to find that one that's really close to, uh, just dropping off and a little tug will get that apple off. 
You want to see more pictures, don't you? I can tell. You're, I'm going to read your, the spirit of knowledge. It's, it's the word of knowledge. Yes, you want to see some more pictures. Okay, so this is Haley, Paul, and Rowan at the baby dedication. They scheduled the same weekend that we were there. So that was awesome. And I was able to be a part of the, of the blessing. And that man there is Haley's father. He's the pastor of Victory Church and his uh, wife as well. Oh, take your breath away. Mm-mm-mm. Both that beautiful lady and Rowan. Love that smile. You want to see some more pictures, don't you? Of course. Okay, let's go. I just happen to have on me right here. There's uh, Judah, who's four. Uh, Eliana, who's three. And then the next one, there is uh, Lila Joy. And she's eight months old. Had too much fun together. All right, John chapter 15. Verse 5, Jesus is talking. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. That's pretty much direct as you can get. Blunt as you can get, just tell it as it is. When it comes to anything spiritual, something that's going to last and have any effect in the kingdom of God, you have to do it abiding in Christ. There's no option. There's no, I can do this myself. I'm going to, I don't need God in this. I know what's right. I don't need to pray about it. No, you do need to pray about it. You need to release faith and trust in God because you won't be able to do it on your own. You can do nothing without him. Now, I looked carefully in these first uh, handful of scriptures. I think it was 11 scriptures here. And the word abide appears 10 times in 11 verses. So I just want to do a quick summary of what we can get from that. Abide means remain. It means to continue, stay connected, right? And I'm quoting here, number one, uh, Jesus says, abide in me. I love that. That sounds good. We want to do that, don't we? And then he goes on and says something crazy. He says, and I will... I will be in you, I in you, I will abide in you. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. We're in him, he's in us. You can't get any closer than that. Thank you, Lord. Here's another one in, the, in another verse in this, in this paragraph. My words abide in you. So that's the, that's, that's the key for how we abide in one another with Christ is his words. So we have to be intentional. We have to be purposeful of getting the word in our minds and our hearts. And then he says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my, in my love. Well, what does he mean by my commandments? Which ones is he talking about? Well, verse 12 in this passage, John 15, verse 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Wow. See, he modeled it and it says in there, I obeyed my father's commands. And he's saying, you obey my commands. And you will, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. And so there, there, he's giving really emphasis. Number one, it's a new commandment. And number two, it's my commandment that I give you. Now, there's some good results that come from this. And I'm going to ask the praise team to go ahead and come on, come on up. 
Verse 8 of John 15, my father's glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There it is again. If we live this out, loving one another, we prove to be his disciples. That's one of the things that God is looking at at us. Are we really following him? That means we're doing his commandment and we're bearing much fruit. Here's another benefit from all this. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Wow, what a blessing. That if we follow this command, we're going to prove that we're his disciples and we're going to have a fullness of his life. See, this really may be the most important Bible study series you engage in, maybe it's in your whole life, because you've been hoping for this fullness in Christ where there's a joy that despite circumstances you can step into, that you can walk into. And this right here, this seven or eight series, this is, could be it where you step into a new realm of joy that you've been searching for for 20, 30, 40 years. I'm going to read another verse here, but not spend much time on it. Kind of let the Lord use this to look down the road. But I, I want to use this next verse as an important conclusion to this message. Verse 13 and 14 say, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command. the God of the universe, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is saying now after this is three years of living and leading these men, but he's saying, you are my friends if you do whatever I command. I lay down my life for you so you can be my friends. Wow. And that's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for you, for me. Someone listening online, Jesus laid down his life for you. So you could step into a oneness with him and be a friend with him for life and eternity. There is a block to this friendship. There is a roadblock blocking the way. And that is sin, selfishness, greed. So today, I want to say a prayer for anyone that needs to start this relationship with God today. Someone who wants to, I want to get back into friendship with God because I've been so consumed in my own thoughts and trying to do it in my own strength, trying to be that apple off the branch that fell to the ground and just had no life coming into it anymore. It's just rotting on the ground. 
No, I want to be a, attached to the branch and and the trunk of this apple tree. I want to have the life of God flowing in me again. I'm not going to. I don't want to keep trying to do it in my own strength. Would you pray with me at loud this prayer for salvation and also to come back to the life of God? Dear Lord Jesus, I turn away from my sin and selfishness. I turn towards you. Come into my heart, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. I want the life of God in me. I don't want to do it in my own strength any longer. I humble myself and say, I need you, Holy Spirit, to live in me. I'm coming back to you. I want to remain in your love. I want to abide in you, Jesus Christ, and you in me. I'm going to ask you to just keep your hearts open right now. I'm going to dismiss us in just a couple of minutes. But if you could just let the Holy Spirit continue to work in you right now. And we have people here available for prayer about anything that's going on. A green prayer, standing in faith. We're standing in faith for dawn right now in the Frankfurt Hospital. For this to be a day of turnaround for her be healed dawn in Jesus name miracle working God make a way miracle way maker right now in her heart and life and her body Lord we listen to you right now in Jesus name you are here moving in I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, I'm just going to invite you to stand and sing this with me.
love one another it's just a joy to release in our lives and relationship we were created for love so we are asking for your blessing on each session that you take us down a way that will be transformed and more like you I want to bless you as you get ready to go the Lord bless you and keep you family of living waters the Lord Jesus make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom that supernatural peace where everything as it really ought to be nothing missing nothing broken May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of his smile of approval of you. For in Christ Jesus, you are approved and cleansed by his blood. May you walk under the warmth of his presence and hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. Hallelujah. It's going to be a great week, folks. God's working in our lives. Next week, we get into this series. It's going to be different. It's going to be unique. And I believe we're just, God's going to make it fun. It's going to be enjoyable. Have a blessed week. Feel free to stay here. Continue worship. Uh, We're available.